Yes, Lord, we need you every hour, every moment. We need you. We acknowledge that again as we already have the joy of salvation, the grace that has no end. And uh, we're grateful. We're just so grateful to be together this morning. We're grateful to be in your presence. And we're grateful for all that you're doing already this morning and all that you're going to do in these next few moments. We thank you all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Woo! I love that. Susan leaned over. I I, I said, it was great. She said, perfectly imperfect. Uh, That's family, isn't it? All of us just in it for Jesus and uh, loving each other. And uh, here in just about 15, 20 minutes, we're going to start multiple baptisms over in this pool. And it's going to be just a lot of fun and joy and grace. Uh, but I wanted to, to share just a few moments to kind of set up our time. Then we're going to hear a testimony uh, before we start the, Baptist, uh, the uh, baptisms. Um, one of our uh, stories of our house that I tell almost every time we do baptisms is something that happened several years ago when Laura and I were college pastors. And there was a young man that uh, had grown up in the church but was far away from God. He would say never had really declared his own allegiance, salvation, his own belief in Jesus. And um, he was uh, out uh, partying one night and a bunch of our college students felt led of the Lord to go around campus and to go to different parties and to uh, share the gospel. So they would walk into a a party and they would stand up on a chair and say, hey everybody, I know everybody's having a great time here today and we want to tell you even a better time is if you know Jesus and we're going to be here during this party. And they would get, of course, ridiculed and at times God would stir people's hearts. And this particular young man was at one of those parties and uh, he had been uh, addicted to drugs, alcohol, etc. He came just wept and poured his heart out and said, I I need Jesus. And so they were able to lead him to the Lord. And he began to experience some immediate freedom and deliverance from his addictions. And, um, and then it came that next Sunday night that we baptized him. And so we were up in the baptistry and uh, where we were at Highland Baptist at the time, the baptistry was right behind you. So everybody was out in the audience and I uh, baptize him, you know, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I take him down, I pull him up out of the baptistry. And what, what we didn't know is his dad had come in the back of the service. His dad stood up in the back and screamed out, my son was dead, but now he's alive. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I, I never tire of that story. And again, probably because I was there uh, when it happened, but it's the story of the gospel. It's the story of the prodigal son. And so I want to take a few minutes, hopefully as a reminder, if this is the first time you've heard the story, what I do know is that it's the story of all of our hearts. And our hope is that God is more generous than we think he is. That God is more forgiving than we think he is. That there's always a place called home in his presence, no matter how far we have drifted. Jesus tells a story in Luke chapter 15 about two brothers, and one of the brothers comes to his dad and said, Dad, I want my inheritance now. Uh, uh, actually, I want everything that you have for me now. I don't want to wait till you die. I want it right now. And the father, though grieved, said, Okay, son, I love you, and you're asking for it, so I will give you. I don't think it's your best, uh, in your best interest. I don't think this is the best thing for you, but I will give you what you want. And it says that he went off to a distant land and he squandered uh, all of his resources through loose living or other versions talk of through debauchery, through kind of doing everything that the world does. He wasted his father's inheritance fairly quickly. And then I want us to pick up in verse 14. It says, now when he had spent everything, this son who had wasted his father's inheritance, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired, him, uh, um, hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields. Uh, okay, you know what? Uh, speaking of an imperfect Sunday, people who are being baptized need to walk out into the lobby at this time. If you're being baptized this morning, this is awesome. Does this feel like a family room or what? Thank you, Destiny. 
The sermon was already going good. We're going to have to restart this train. All right, you got it? If you are being baptized, make your way out in the lobby. They'll get you situated. Where was I? Just reading the Bible. Uh, Here we go. Verse 15. So the son, he went out and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods of the swine that were eating and because no one was giving him anything to eat. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, that's the key, when he came to his senses, when he woke up, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread for I am dying here with hunger. I'll get up and go to my father and will say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him. A long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe, put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and has come to life again he was lost and has been found and they began to celebrate Woo! that's a great story it's the story of all of our lives i want to just re-highlight a few thoughts here the first one is the father was more generous than the son realized God created you in your mother's womb. God made you because he wanted you. He delights over you. He pursues you. He waits for you. He longs for you. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you've gone, the Father is more generous than you could even imagine. No matter how you perceive God, I promise you he's better than that. He is a generous loving, compassionate Father. Yes, sin has consequence. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But our Father is greater than sin. He knows you. He sees you. And he's compassionate towards you. The second key point, of course, the son went his own way. He was given uh, his inheritance and he went his own way. All of us have gone our own way. Every one of us, we've done it for sure in the beginning And after we found Jesus, surprisingly, we still go our own way. Left to ourselves, we go our own way. Isaiah 53, verse 6, says this, All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. We wake up drifting. Everybody understands that, right? We wake up drifting so it is not a surprise when someone is ashamed of what they've gotten themselves into and they'll come and, and talk to me or, or to one of us and they'll say, you know, I can't believe I did it. And I say, well, I totally can believe it because we drift and we are sinners apart from the grace of God. Now, should you have done it? No. Is it hurtful to you and your family? Yes. Is there consequences for that in this life? Many times, yes. But is there grace to get back up? Yes. And amen. Though we fall seven times, the Lord will pick us up. It's never too late. Our sin causes us to drift, but Jesus' grace causes us to live. Again and again and again. The son went his own way. But what we saw in his sin, there was consequence for sin. He was impoverished. He didn't have anything. He was literally feeding pigs. And if you know anything about Jewish uh, 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 tradition, to, to be among pigs was to be unclean. So he's not only in a mess, he's not only got a terrible job, but he has literally forsaken the religion of his fathers. He's forsaken not only his earthly father, but his heavenly father. He's unclean in every way. And he is reaping the consequences of it. He feels the pain of it. He feels the sorrow of it. He feels the challenge of it. Here's what the Bible tells us, and if you haven't figured it out yet, is 100% true. Sin always leads to death. 
It may be pleasurable for a moment, but in the end, it ends in death. It does not, it ends in an unclean and unholy and a broken place, not only for our lives, but for everybody around us. That's again why we have Jesus, because sin brings death, but God provided life through his own sacrifice for those who trust in him. So we have a generous father. We have people, you and I, that go our own way. We have the consequences of our sin in hopes that what? Why does God allow us to have terrible consequences for the sin in our lives? So that we might come to our senses. So that we might wake up. Why did such a bad thing happen? I know other people that have sinned worse than me, but this terrible thing happened. But why, out of God's mercy, he allows our sin to have weight in our lives so that we can come to our senses and come back home? And if there's anything I would say right now where we are in America, where we are personally in our own lives, there's a dullness. We have to wake up, you guys. We have to come to our senses and just say, whoa, okay, right, this is wrong. This is right. This is the way of death. This is the way of life. God is providing a much better way for me. Let me wake up and go his way instead of remain dull and and dead and go my way. If there is death and chaos in your life, it's because you're going your own way. If there's a dullness to people and to God, it's because we've gone our own way. So this young man woke up and came to his senses and he said, now wait a second, my father um, has hired hands or eaten better than me. So what if I go and humble myself and kind of grovel before my father and say, I don't deserve anything. Of course, I've wasted everything, everything about me. He, he said uh, his guilt and shame was so heavy on him. He said, all right, maybe he'll just accept me and feed me because I just need food and shelter. If he would be so gracious just to give me food and shelter, I would just be indebted and, and full of gratitude. And I think, you know what, that what a beautiful place to start. <laughs> God, I don't deserve anything, but oh Lord, if you would just save me from this uncleanness, from the consequences of my sin, if you would just save me and take me back in and just give me food and shelter. So he started with the basics and he said, surely I could, I could go and, and, and ask my father for that. And can I just say, When we come to our senses, it is good to come humble first and then be invited to more than you could ask or think. And what I mean by that is just just let it sit. I've come to my senses. What has happened? What are the consequences of this? Father, forgive me. I need you. Oh, God, I need you. And then we look up, and he he sees his father, and and I, I love this. He said, I'll get up, verse 18, and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion for him, ran and embraced him and kissed him. Okay, so wherever you are today, all you gotta do is turn God's way. All you got, just I need you, Lord. Just, I acknowledge my sin. Forgive me, I I need you. And then, whoom, the grace of God is running towards you. You're not having to find your way to God. He's here right now, he's present. He's just waiting to turn towards any heart that humbles itself and acknowledges our need. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, and that means salvation from our sin. But what I, what I say is to us as believers, for those who turn back, his grace and compassion is willing to just be poured out our way. Just amazing. It's amazing. It shouldn't be that uh, gracious But he's greater than you could ever ask or think. And so when we turn and come to our senses and realize our need, he comes with compassion. And I love that he kissed his son because it shows not only is he willing to forgive your sin, but he's willing to come close and restore intimate relationship with you. 
It's not like, I'm glad you came, now you'll pay penance, and then we'll get it together, and then eventually you'll deserve to be a little closer to me. Now, for the sake of being controversial, just because we're here, um, one of the things that we did with our kids is when we disciplined them for the wrong they had done, we disciplined them immediately. We made them ask forgiveness to God and to us. We restored them fully, and immediately after whatever that discipline or consequence was, there was immediate restoration of relationship. Though I know that at the older ages there are appropriate things to do as far as consequences and all that, but the reason we didn't put, send them in the room to distance themselves is because God does not distance himself from me. When he corrects and disciplines me, he restores me immediately because grace is greater than distance, according to the word of God. So we always wanted to deal with it immediately, restore it immediately. And I remember we would make our kids then come back to the family, even if they had had to be removed from the table and gone through a discipline session, they would have to come back to the table to to be fully restored immediately because we were going to be a grace-filled family even though we were a standard-bearing family. All y'all missed that. That was really deep. So here's the deal. One of our kids would say, I don't want to go back to the table. I feel guilty. I feel ashamed. I feel embarrassed at what I did. I had to be removed from the table to be dealt with. I don't want to go back. And we would make them come back and face their guilt and shame in the embrace of love, even in the midst of discipline. He showed compassion on them, and he kissed them. He kissed his son. Isn't that beautiful? He restored them immediately. The grace of God is greater than your rebellion. It's greater than your sin. It's greater than your brokenness. Well, he not only showed compassion, he not only kissed him and restored immediate relationship, but then he said, we're not only going to restore relationship, now we're going to celebrate that my son who was dead is now alive and he has come back. So when you turn your heart back to God, if you find yourself drifting from God, if you're a prodigal in this room and you're going to turn back to to the Lord today, he not only comes near with his compassion and presence and forgiveness, but he also wants to celebrate your turning. Because here's the deal, it's the reattachment to God that will give you the strength to sustain your repentance to God. Attachment is what carries you relationship is what carries you. Love carries you. Love casts out all fear. Love was crucified at the cross in the person of Jesus so that we can have, re, uh, uh, we can have a relationship with God again. It's relationship that carries you. I remember years ago reading this particular um, a book on addictions, and they said the key to addiction is uh, that everybody is, uh, who's in addiction of brokenness is because of a lack of relationship, not just the substance they're addicted to. It is our yearning for something more that gets us addicted. When we, can, when we decide to come out of an addiction, that can be broken. But if you don't reconnect to right relationships and healthy relationships with God and others, you'll go back to the addiction because of the pain in your heart. All addictions are because of a lack of relationship, not just the power of the substance. There are incredible programs to get you out of every addiction under the sun. And we can get you free from that addiction but unless you replace that with a right attachment to God and a right attachment to a healthy relationship, you'll go back to either that or another addiction. Because we're made for relationship with God and with, with others. And the only way to have that is to believe in grace. Because if you have to earn your way back into relationship with me, then we can't have a relationship. Because you're never going to be good enough. And neither am I, by the way. If I have to earn my way back to God to prove my love for God, then we'll never have a relationship because just about the day I start doing good, I'll do something dumb, and then here we are again in a cycle. The grace of God is revealed in this story. This prodigal son story is told in movies and books, millions of books and stories because it's our story. We're hoping that God is better than we think he is. We're hoping that there's forgiveness for me no matter what I've done. And the answer is there is. (laughs) There is. It is not too late. If you're 75 years old in this room, it's not too late to turn back to God. It's not too late to be reconnected to God. It's not too late to ask forgiveness of a broken relationship. It's not too late. If you're 75, if you're 80, and you're hearing hearing the sound of my voice, if you're eight years old, it's not too late, of course. 
You haven't done the unpardonable sin. There is grace, 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 grace. So what I want to pray is whoever needs grace today, actually, this is what I want to do. If you need grace today, I need you to stand up. If you need grace today, I'm already standing. Yeah, it should be everybody in this room. And even if you don't feel like it, you should stand up anyway. Because if God's poured out a grace bomb, you want it. Everybody wants it. Undeserved grace, the love, pleasure, and favor of God towards undeserving people. Anybody here deserve grace? <laughs> no, well, if you do, I, you, I just want you to know you're wrong. So everybody in this room needs grace. And I just want us to raise our hands to God, whether it's for the first time or whether it's for the hundredth time, and turn your way back to grace. Turn your way back to grace. Maybe you open your palms and receive grace again. Maybe you just need to receive grace again. Many times I just say, Lord, I receive you again today. Not because I'm insecure about my salvation, but I just receive your grace today. Oh, Lord, you see our open hands and our open hearts. You know us. <laughs> beyond what we think you know, and you love us beyond what we think you love. And so we come this morning, and if you're in this position right now and you need Jesus, I want you to pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. If you're a believer, you know how to turn back to the Lord. Just call out to him. If you're not a believer, forgive me of my sins. Pray this with me. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. If you need Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you were buried. I believe you rose from the dead that I might be forgiven of my sins and be brought back to the Father. And so I come, Lord Jesus, I come. I am yours. I am yours. For the first time, I am yours. For the thousandth time, I am yours. And I receive your love, your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness, your restoration to my heart and my mind. Thank you, Lord, for grace. Thank you, Lord, for grace. Thank you, Lord, for grace. Now let's just thank him for his grace and his goodness and his love. Woo! Thank you, Lord. We're returning and we're coming and you're celebrating, you can have a seat. And the scripture says that so God rejoices over one sinner who repents or one prodigal that returns. All of heaven rejoices. You're about to hear a testimony and then we'll be starting our, our baptisms. If you just prayed to receive Jesus and you wanna be baptized today as a response to your salvation, while this video is going on, you can go to our welcome desk or anytime during the service. If you have never been baptized since you believed, uh, many times people will ask, do, do, uh, you know, I've recommitted my life to the Lord. Do I need to be rebaptized? If you believed and were baptized, the scripture says you've done what's needed. The, the grace of God has covered you. You've responded to obedience through baptism and you've responded wholly to him. But if you, if you have come to the Lord in your mind for the first time to truly believe and truly come to the Lord, again, the scripture says repent, be baptized, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is our response to the grace of God. So if you've never been baptized or you need to be baptized, if you just prayed to receive the Lord somewhere during our service, you can go back to the welcome desk. There'll be a pastor there to greet you, to talk with you, and then you can get baptized the next service. It happens all the time, by the way. If you say, oh, that'd be so weird. Will I be the only one? You will not be the only one, I promise you. Uh, and uh, we are going to enter into the beauty of it. Well, I want you to hear a story, about eight minutes. I want you to settle in to probably one of the most moving stories you've ever heard of a beautiful family that has found the grace of God. Uh, hi, my name is Jose Tobar. Uh, I'm from Waco, Texas. Uh, well, ever since I was little, my mom would drag me out of bed uh, Sundays to go to church. I never really liked going. Uh, and I was always just hanging around the round crowd, always. Uh, smoking, drinking, or, you know, partying. I got married when I was 18, 
and shortly after that or a year later we got divorced and uh i still kept going you know uh, partying uh, and i was just sitting there looking at the woman looking at the guys that i was surrounded by just thinking they're making the same mistakes i am you know it's not gonna take me nowhere uh, i told god you know come back and knock knock on my door I'm, i'm gonna listen this time i want something different i, I feel uh, worthless uh, i feel bad empty a uh, few months later uh, i was at work and this guy new dude uh, got close to me and he said he introduced himself hi my name is dylan and he's like i'm sorry i'll make it quick i just god told me to I, he just spoke to me i need to give you a message that he's listening and 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 he wants you back he we, we became good friends and every day he'll share something every day and i was happy that he was there pushing me and you know taking me to church and one day he was like uh is once we get out of work i'm gonna wait for you in the parking lot and i hope you there cuz my car ain't got ac and it's gonna be 102 I'm gonna be waiting on you. I think I think you're ready. Give your life to Jesus. And I told him I'm not ready. I'm I'm still doing I'm I'm still in the wrong. He laughed and he said, "God, he don't want you perfect. He wants you as you are." I took my time going outside because I was nervous. I was like, maybe he left this hot. When I got there, he was still waiting there. He was sweaty and but smiling at me hey and i got inside the car and it, man it was burning hot inside and i said dude you really yes i love you man you know come on so we said a quick prayer right after that he said just repeat after me i repeated myself he was like congrats you have given your life to jesus i love you he gave me a hug i felt good that he was pushing me you know I was getting closer to him but I asked him I want a responsibility. I want a direction. Give me something. Give me something that will make me feel okay. I, I got something to look toward or live for. And then I met Juana, my wife. My name is uh, Juana Tovar and I am from Durango, Mexico. I came to this uh, country uh, in 2005. Uh, soon after that, I uh, got married. I have two beautiful children. When I came to this country, I was coming from a family that it was very dysfunctional. Alcohol, violence, the loss of my father when I was two years old. I discovered that I was in the same situation all over again in another dysfunctional family. This time it was my own family. I decided to uh, get a divorce. Uh, when I was going through the process, I never got divorced before. It was so new to me since I am not from this country. I didn't know how the system worked. Um, I ended up losing the custody of my kids. Sure after that, um, I remember police department arriving to the house and making sure that I was leaving the house without my kids. I remember walking outside the house. I hear my kids in the background crying. In this case, it was so hard to forgive myself because due to complete ignorance, I did something so terrible. And I feel like I hurt the people that I love the most. I remember receiving a text message I was in the middle of darkness and the text message said it would be easy if you commit suicide. It would be so easy for all of us. And that's exactly what I attempted to do. I was already, but at the same time I was keeping my memories, thinking about them. And then I realized that that was the month where my babies were born. And I didn't want to give them as dad as a birthday present. And I said, if I'm gonna do this, it's not gonna be at this month. 
it has to be in another occasion. And that's what stopped me from taking my life. I decided to go to church. And I remember I was feeling completely numb. But I was deep in prayer. I closed my eyes and I asked the question inside of me. I asked Jesus, I need a sign. You need to let me know that I'm not in here as a mistake. I need to know I'm not a mistake because I feel like everything that I was touching, I was destroying it. And I close my eyes and I keep listening to the service. And a few seconds after that, Jimmy said, I see a woman with boxing gloves punching so hard. I see her with pain in her stomach. And I see her with pain in her knee. I suffered an accident at work when a pilot jack literally ran over my leg and broke my knee. I used boxing as a therapy to let go of my anger. And it's when Jimmy says, I see you, I see this woman with boxing blood, uh, boxes, punching really hard, pain in her stomach and pain in her knee. And at that moment, you know, I ask my question inside of me in a few seconds I had answered in precise details and I knew it was not a mistake and I knew it was not a coincidence. I felt the impact in my chest and I just couldn't help but cry. I cried at church and I know people saw me but I have my confirmation. I have what I ask. God was seeing me and he let me know it was not a mistake. I give my trust to Jesus. And I gave him my life in that moment. He gave me hope. My name is Jose Tobar and I'm getting baptized today. My name is Juana Tobar and I'm getting baptized today. I feel like uh, everything that we went, went through as a family, the challenges that we faced, uh, the brokenness that we experience all of that lead us to God, lead us to Jesus. And getting baptized is the ultimate gift that we have. Uh, I'm excited getting baptized. It's like a big, big statement that I'm making to the world that He's my Lord and Savior, you know. Uh, I want our, our kids to look at us, you know, even if they don't want to get baptized, seeing us baptized, you know what their parents believe in, you know? So I'm so excited and I can't wait. Whoa, isn't that powerful? You like my throwback shirt, Passion for Jesus? So, hey, we're gonna be worshiping the whole time. And again, you may spontaneously wanna stand up, but you can look up at the screen. You'll see the name of the person being baptized. We'll be baptizing here. And we've got about 25, 30 people, maybe a little bit more that'll be baptized. So just worship and enter into the grace of God for you and for your family. And again, if you are stirred by the Lord that you have a need to be baptized uh, since you believed and to clarify that, you can slip out at any time, go to our welcome desk. We'll have pastors there.
Thank you for the cross that you have carried. Thank you for your blood that was shed. You took the weight of sin upon your shoulders. Sacrificed your life so I could live.
scriptures and promises over them. But we want to do one last thing before we end our time here. If you just got baptized, you can come and line up across the front. We want to acknowledge you one more time. We're so grateful for the work of God and the grace of God. Mom and dad, you're welcome to come up and join them or brothers and sisters. Scoot down just a little bit more, I think. So I want us to do something as witnesses of the grace of God, right? Baptism is a public witness. I am with Jesus. We ask them two questions. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? And they say, yes, you saw the power of that in the tears in their eyes. Do you want to love and serve him all the days of your life, no matter what? And they say, yes. And then they're baptized, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. And so we are those witnesses of their baptism and their consecration moment of obedience. And so I thought it'd be very appropriate if all of us just extend our hands as family, whether you know them or not, and just begin to pray that the Spirit of God would fall on them afresh, that the power of God would sustain them, that the beauty of God would be the portion and the cup of their hearts and their minds, that all the days of their life they would love and honor and serve Jesus Just think about if you were up here, what would you want prayed over you? Just take a moment and let's pray that as a community today. So Lord, we disagree right now. We thank you that your plans are good for each one of these. Men and women and children, thank you, God, that you have saved them. Lord, thank you for their obedience in baptism. We agree with the prayers that have already been prayed. Now baptize them in the Holy Spirit. Fill them with power from on high. Anoint them with gifts and callings and revelation knowledge. And we pray, oh Jesus, may they know the height, the width, the breadth, and the depth of your love. We pray for a spirit of wisdom and a revelation and knowledge of you, that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened, that they would know the hope of your calling, your glorious riches, your inheritance in the saints, your surpassing greatness, and your power towards them that believe. And so we embrace them as family this morning. We thank you, God, that they've been baptized not only into Christ, but into the family of God. And so we extend our hearts and our hands to them, and we bless them. And everybody said, amen. Let's thank the Lord again. We got one more chorus, guys, that we could do. Hey, I'm going to ask guys to end with a chorus. But as we're wrapping up this morning, I just want to say again, if you prayed to receive Jesus, please let us know. You can go by the information booth or you can go to the Connect Center. If you're wanting to connect with what's going on in our church and how to connect with what God's doing here, go right out that door to the Connect Center. And if you know a friend that needs to be saved or needs to be baptized, we got another service coming. 
And we want to make sure that every opportunity is there. And again, you might just tell them, watch online, watch what God's doing. Because whenever the gospel is proclaimed through baptism, the gospel message is declared to hearts and minds. And we're believing for an outbreak of grace. If you need prayer for anything else, you can go over to the Connect Center or grab